Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Pat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Pat and Jethro. Yes. What? Oh, you're reading a card. Yes. Okay. We hope you guys are doing well through quarantine. Miss being able to travel and see your live shows, as I'm sure you are too. We did a Best Friends weekend in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and saw this coloring book. It's an ancient aliens coloring book, you guys. It was in our mailbox. They sent it to us. There was no way we couldn't get it for you. Hopefully you'll enjoy it and maybe uh, find another topic for the podcast. Thank you for keeping us going during this crazy time. Flying our freak flags. Love, Olivia and Aaron, our friends from Tampa. They're they're the Tampa freaks that, that traveled to um, a couple of our live shows. I think, what was it, Boston and Bridgeport, Connecticut? I, that sounds right. I, I think so. Maybe Charlotte as well. I'm not sure, but but they have made a couple of different shows. But this coloring book is so cool. And I have to say, I had a child here the other day, and she was like, oh, we could color. And I was like, absolutely, you cannot. <laughs> no, not this <laughs> Get one. Get away from this it. This is my coloring this book. This is for me. Little shit. <laughs> but we are missing the live shows, too, for we sure. Are. We are. Um, we have no idea, of course, when we'll be back out on the road. Um, so we thought... And, and this is the first time that we've mentioned this, uh, that we would do a virtual live show. It's in the planning right now. It'll probably happen sometime. Yeah, I'm not going to say. I don't know, but it's no. going to be soon. It'll be soon. Um, really, our big obstacle at this point is we need chairs. Yes, we do. We don't have any chairs no. that can appear on camera without some sort of humanitarian aid corporation coming <laughs> and going like, oh, dears. Yeah. Can we help you? Cat and Jethro's chairs provided by the Arthur Vining the Davis Foundation. Of anyway, Fly we'll, away. <laughs> we will let you know when the virtual live show uh, will happen. We're not going to charge admission for 
for the virtual live show, we, we might put a tip jar up on yeah, the screen so you or something. Can donate but, uh, but to our sad chair fund. Whatever. If you to. <laughs> yeah, help us buy furniture. Anyway, um, it's your turn to go first. So go first. Okay. So, yeah, I had to ask you if we'd talked about this because <laughs> I'm quite familiar with this story and I've heard it so many times. I didn't know if I heard it maybe from your face. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I said the name, and you kind of went, ah, and I was like, uh, I was giving you hints, and you didn't seem to recognize it. So, fingers crossed, we haven't done this. Okay. This is the story of Sonny Bean. So, according to the Newgate Calendar, a tabloid publication from the 18th and 19th centuries, Alexander Bean was born in the 16th century in East Lothian, he moved to Ballantrae in Ayrshire, Scotland, with his wife, Agnes Bean, and they moved into a really nice cave called the Benin Cave. <laughs> <laughs> so, Benin Cave was rather elaborate, with tunnels penetrating the solid rock and extending for more than a mile in length. There were side passages, ins and outs and such, and the cave's entrance was flooded for several hundred meters twice a day at high tide. So the it was cave, like an automatic moat. Yes, exactly. A the, security the system. The cave's entrance was at the water. So you would you could only get in during certain times of the day. Exactly. Which is really quite clever when you think about it. I love that I mean, idea. unless you have to get out. And you're like, ah, oh, man. It's Tuesday and it's watch a movie from Blockbuster night. On a school night? Can we, Mom? All right. All right. Sorry, that sounded more like Jimmy Stewart. All right. So anyway, nice cave. Super fancy. So this is where Sonny and Agnes Bean decided that they would settle down. And they started a family. And they lived there for 25 years. In a cave. In a cave. I love the name Agnes Bean, by the way. It's a great name. For some reason, I can't figure out why it makes me think of steaks. Um, So Angus Beef. Oh, yeah, maybe. Agnes. And, and what's that bean company around here that does meats? Yeah, there is a main company that makes hot dogs, and their name is Beans. Um, Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, it's so... It's not L.L. Bean. No. That's a different main that company. Would be, that's a very leathery hot yeah. dog. <laughs> no. Stop eating your shoe. So, during the time of their habitation in this lovely cave, uh, the area was having a really hard time with missing persons. And every once in a while, there would be a curiously preserved but decaying body part washed up on the surrounding beaches in the area. Hmm. So local authorities were growing very concerned about the increasing number of missing people. And they were frustrated uh, in their quest for justice or whatever. And so they... (laughs) So they ended up hanging some people, uh, several innocent people, because they thought, okay, well, this this is it. We've solved the case. You're done for. Right. But then the uh, body parts kept piling, and the missing people kept missing. So, so they just killed a bunch of people to quench their thirst for justice. Yeah. Actually, suspicion often would fall on local innkeepers, since mm. they were the last known people to see some of these missing people alive. And nobody's thought to look in the cave. Because they're cave. No, why would they? Cave dwellers. Do you think that these two stories are related? (laughs) See, if people were were disappearing in my area, and there were a couple of people that lived in a cave Mm. nearby, I would um, I would take a stroll out and question them. Well, at this point, their living in the cave wasn't 
uh, common knowledge. I see. And um, they did. They had some kids, and they were pretty secluded. They didn't interact a lot with other people. They lived a very solitary life with their cave brood. One night, a married couple riding from a fair on one horse were attacked by a horde. The woman was pulled off the horse by the group of people and cloaked in darkness. The man could just make out that she was being mauled pretty much to the point of no return. The man was skilled in combat and he was able to hold off uh, the clan with a sword and a pistol and it appeared as though the group was disemboweling his wife. Oh, my God. Just then, a large group of fairgoers appeared on the trail, and the murderous group dispersed. The fairgoers took off with the survivor to the local magistrate, whom they informed about this terrible experience. So they returned to Glasgow. The husband reached King James IV, who personally led a group of 400 people to the area of the attack. And it said it didn't take very long before the Benin Cave was discovered. Bloodhounds, apparently, led the charge right to the cave. Tide was just right, so they were able to make their way in. And they were horrified with what they discovered. The damp walls of the cave were strewn with row upon row of human limbs and body parts, like meat hanging in a butcher's shop. Oh, no. Other areas of the cave stored bundles of clothing and piles of watches and rings and heaps of discarded bones. So they were hanging up these body parts for food, not decoration? Correct. Okay. Though I'm sure it looked nice, too. You know... It's nice when something can be both form and function. Yes. Nothing quite brightens up one's cave like a severed limb. At this point. I wonder how they decorated their Christmas tree. I bet it was weird. Who wants to put the clavicle on the top of the tree this year? Come here, Jimmy. Let me boost you up. (laughs) Femurs and roses and whiskers and eyeballs. (laughs) No. Okay. So with uh, the cave being discovered now, they found a total of 46 people living in this cave. 46? 46. All from the same family? Yup. Oh, my. That started from just the two. Oh, Oh my. Yeah. So that was sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters and uncle sons and aunt daughters and you know how it goes. That must have been weird for like the first generation that was born in the cave and really knew very little about the outside world other than that's where we kill our food. Yeah. When the tide's low. So with the ever-increasing mouths to feed and no real job to fall back on, Sonny Bean turned to robbery and then... When you end up robbing a bunch of people, you got to figure out what you're going to do with those witnesses. Mm -hmm. So uh, he ended up murdering a bunch of people. And then when you end up murdering a bunch of people, you got to figure out what you're going to do with all those bodies. And well, then you start eating them. Yeah, it's a slippery slope. And it didn't take long for his family to help with the crimes. So the clan thrived by laying careful ambushes at night to rob and murder the individuals or the small groups of people. And then they would uh, bring them back to the caves for some noms. Mm. The family would survive on a very high-protein diet. (laughs) Uh, They often would pickle and salt the human remains, occasionally tossing a mangled limb into the sea to be discovered and convince the townsfolk that the missing people had fallen victim to animal attacks. 
So back to the capture. Some sources say the troops smoked the clan out of the cave, which smoked meats also very popular mm. so that might have worked out for everyone yeah uh, some say there was a brief struggle and some say that the clan surrendered without a fight but the entire sawney bean family all 40 whatever of them were arrested and marched off to edinburgh their crimes were considered so heinous that the normal justice system for which scotland is quite well known was abandoned and the locals were said to have been so disgusted with the Bean family that they demanded a more painful punishment. And so Sonny and his fellow uh, son, grandson, sons, nephew, sons, mm. hmm, had their genitals uh, cut off and thrown into fires and then their hands and feet severed off and then while, they were allowed to bleed to death. Oh, while they were alive and conscious? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They cut their winkies off? That's right. Oh. Uh, meanwhile, the women and children were tied to stakes and burned. Now, when you say stakes. <laughs> so this is all a pretty big event, as you can imagine. I mean, there are hundreds of missing people. There is a 400-person search party. Right. There's a huge event that involves the burning and genital mutilation mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, 40-something people. It must have been quite a social event. Yes. Uh, people tailgating leading up to the... Uh, Probably. To the ceremony. That's exactly what you would imagine. Sure. But there is no proof that that took place. Really? So this is legend? This is legend. Any of it? Any of it. Oh, I want it to have taken place. Well, that's terrible, and you're a bad person. So <laughs> it is a very well-known legend, retold throughout the ages, and the story is, is pretty secure. Like, this is where he came from. This is where they lived. This is how many people disappeared. This is what happened to them when they died. But for some reason, none of those things are documented hmm. during the time that they happened. It wasn't until much later that this story started being told. And Fiona Black, a graduate of Glasgow University, told Radio Scotland's Case Reopened that there's probably a really good reason for it. It didn't happen. She said that the word Sawney, which is short for Alexander, question mark, first appeared in the Oxford English Dictionary in 1704 as a derogatory term for a Scotsman. This is according to the Scotsman.com. It all started with James the Seventh, as they call him in Scotland, or James the Second, as he was known in England. Very confusing. So he was the last Roman Catholic monarch to reign over the kingdoms of England, Scotland, and Ireland. He was invaded by his Protestant son-in-law and subsequently overthrown. James was forced into exile in France. So they rallied troops and turned to military action against William and Mary's government forces. And this was called the Jacobite Rebellions. And it's been pretty much determined by experts that the Sawney Bean Cave incident is a myth, an invention by the English designed to denigrate the Scots at the time of those rebellions. You don't want those Scots coming in here and taking over, right? They eat people. Right. And that's based on the fact that the, the name Sony wasn't um, invented until much later than the, when this event allegedly took place. That's right. Maybe 
maybe his nickname was Sonny, you know, maybe, maybe his dad called him Sonny and people just started picking up on it. And then over time, mm-hmm. you know, it was mistranslated. It happens. So when the king came to the cave himself uh, uh-huh. with 400 people to capture these, why, why, wasn't, um, why wasn't that documented? Maybe he, maybe he ran out of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, or pretty, pretty sure that's it. Or <laughs> well, as you know, like there's a long history of using uh, things like cannibalism mm-hmm. as a propaganda against people that you're trying to portray as savages. Like they can't take care of themselves. We might as well just take over their country, right? Sure. It's happened repeatedly in history, and this is a great example of that, where it was really just propaganda. You, you, know, you know how those Scots are, always living in caves and eating people and inbreeding I don't and think disemboweling. That I don't think you're impartial to be telling this story, <laughs> well, because be you are a descendant of cannibals. It's actually interesting, because my mother's mother married a Jacobite. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I have, like, uncles and aunts with the last name, Jacobites. And uh, and then I was reading this, and I was like, oh, look yeah. at that. And huh. you have, you're descended from Papua New Guinea cannibals. Yeah, yeah. So, wow, that's... You must have, like, <laughs> this this raging internal conflict going all the time. <laughs> oh, no, not really, no. no. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> and now... That thing in the middle. So today we've got uh, five body parts that you didn't know had names. Number five, glabella. That is the space between your eyebrows. That sounds like a sinister Disney character. I'm glabella. Number four, the dimples of Venus. Those are those little notches, those little dimples right above your butt. Yo, you have those. Do I? Oh, yeah, so I do. Um, can you stop manhandling your ass during the show? Never. Number three, Nathian. It's the very lowest part of your chin. Number two, gynecomastia, more commonly known as man boobs. And number one, the tragus. Now, you might know this if you're very familiar with piercings. It's the little nub of cartilage at the front of your ear. Oh, yeah. It seems sensitive. I don't want a hole in it. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. 
When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids and they live about 3,000 miles away and my daughter is expecting a child and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The podcast that automatically downloads and sterilizes itself with bleach. You're welcome. This is The Box of Oddities. So Alice sent us a message a day or two ago. So my coworker and I were listening to Monday's episode when JG talks about the carousel and being $10,000. I just reacted like I hadn't heard this before. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) Because I have heard this before. Yes, yes, you read it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) And my coworker says... 
$300,000 now. And I said, how do you know? And she said, I've heard this episode already on the weekend. And I said, but it's new. It just came out on Monday. Later, in that thing in the middle about the bottle that was thrown into the sea, she says, yeah, that guy's 85-year-old daughter got it. And then you said just that same thing. I gave my coworker a side eye. Finally, talking about the funeral, my coworker says, yeah, she asked about getting his semen. <laughs> Which, without any context, that sounds really weird. Yeah, it does. Um, and then about 30 seconds later, you said, she asked about getting his semen. I pointed at her and I shouted, which? Now, my first thought was that maybe she's a member of the Order of Freaks and she got the episode early. There was a follow-up message about 30 seconds later that says, she is not a member of the Order of the Freak. That's a glitch in the Matrix. <laughs> I love, love that story. It's great. Now, I have a question for yeah, you. Yeah, you have a question for me. That would not be the right button. The Box no. of Oddities no. with Cat no. and... Not that. What you, there you got go. for me? What? What you, what, what you, what you got for me? Yeah. What do you have for me? I have this story. I totally handled those buttons. Yeah, you, you handled the buttons well. Yep. <clears throat> Let's talk about royalty a little bit. Oh. Royalty, people, you know, I think have this dream in their head about how wonderful it must have been to yeah. be a king or a queen or a princess. Kids today want to be princesses. Yeah. I was talking with one of the small ones in our family not long ago who wants to be a princess. And I was mm. like, yes, absolutely. You should be a princess because princesses have to dedicate their lives to public service and helping others. So how are you going to do that? And she just looked at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. No, I just want to wear a tiara in a right. floofy skirt. That's not it, girl. Mm. That's not it. Well, here are some serious medical conditions that members of the royal family have dealt with or just royals uh, in general that have dealt dealt with throughout um, history. Okay. King Herod. Of course, we know King Herod from the Bible. Along with chronic kidney disease, in his final years, he was plagued by a different and new affliction, Fournier's gangrene now, that's a form of gangrene. Typically, it's related to uh, one's genitals. Oh, no. An historian named Flavius Josephus. <laughs> Wasn't there a reality show about getting to hook up with him? Maximus Buttocus. Flavius Flavius. He said Herod, quote, had a terrible craving to scratch himself. His bowels were ulcerated and his privates gangrenous and wormy. What? No. Uh, me. Yeah. And he had a pretty ruthless reputation. I'm sure you, you probably remember some of the things that he did, but especially in later life. And they said it probably had to do with his wormy ball sack. Ugh, gross. God. Yeah. I mean, if he had like an STD or something, then he could have been driven mad by it, mm -hmm. which would cause some angsty behavior. <laughs> King Baldwin IV. Also, if you could never describe genitals as being wormy again, that would be great. Thank you. Enjoy your day. King Baldwin IV of Jerusalem was a leper. And leprosy, of course, that is um, an ailment that targets flesh and tissue. One of the, it's one of the most under, misunderstood diseases of the medieval world. Uh, as you know, the leper colonies, uh, mm -hmm. people would, you know, whatever. Send them outside the city. Right. Seems very unpleasant. Please continue. 
According to CNN, during the Middle Ages, there was no cure. Although it was not highly contagious, leprosy could spread through droplets from the nose and mouth during close or frequent contact. Apparently, they hadn't understood the importance of uh, face masks. Hospitals at the time were places where people were looked after rather than a subject to any kind of medical treatments, according to Simon Roffey, lead study author and lecturer of medieval archaeology at the University of Winchester. King Baldwin showed symptoms by the age of nine. He started to show symptoms of uh, leprosy. Mm. Although his affliction, it certainly affected him physically. It didn't hinder his ability to rule Jerusalem. According to historians, Baldwin's subjects took no notice whatsoever of his leprosy because he was such a good king. Oh, wow. And because of this, Baldwin's status ultimately helped destigmatize the disease. I am very, very proud of that group of people. Yeah. <laughs> it is just not generally the vibe that you get from that era. No, they're all just like, that's ah, just Baldwin being Baldwin. <laughs> then there was Empress Elizabeth of Australia. She's known for a lot of things, but most well-known throughout history for her beauty, especially her famously slender waistline. See, I'm not familiar with her. Okay. When well, when was she about? Do you know? In the mid-1800s. Oh, okay. Her waistline was ridiculously slender. I've seen some, uh, some portraits of her, and it looks like you could almost put one hand right around her waist. Oh. Uh, but it came at a severe cost. To stay slim, she often wouldn't eat for days at a time. And when she did eat, it was mostly just a diet of broth. In addition to that, she exercised constantly. Sounds terrible. It was obsessive. Now, Elizabeth's lack of consistent nutrition and calories led to her downfall. She developed edema. Now, that's a painful swelling in her feet. In the 1860s, she was still in her 20s, and her edema in her feet was so bad that she required assistance while walking around. Wow. She, in her 20s, she couldn't walk. That sounds terrible. It's a big price to pay for a ridiculously little waistline. Well, it sounds like she was anorexic. That I mean, that's mental disorder. So she she struggled. She did. Ugh. Now we all know about King Henry VIII. He loved to marry people and then kill them. That too. Yeah, Yeah. right. He he did that. Um, And we think of him as like this big gluttonous asshole who killed his wives, but he didn't start out that way. He became King of England in 1509 at the age of 17. He was intellectual, and he was very physically active. He was obsessed with upholding the ideals of what a Renaissance prince and or king should be. But things changed for old Henry. Um, When he was just 36, he developed sores on his leg, and historians think that that may have been caused by the type of garters that he was wearing to keep his stockings up. Right. I think I remember hearing something about that. And worse than that, he sustained a leg injury during a jousting tournament. Yes, some sort of horse incident. Yep, 1536. Because of the existing sores on his leg, the injury that he got jousting never healed properly, and it became ulcerated. His leg ulcers festered and reeked over time. Mm. People were said to have been able to smell his ulcers rooms away. And that must have been pretty painful. And, of course, pain will make one cranky. Henry became increasingly tyrannical. He lopped off the heads of two of his wives and anybody who disagreed with him politically. Wow. Yeah. Pope Leo X. Now, this guy was a serious political player (laughs) in the early 16th century. 
Uh, but from the age of about 37, he suffered from anal fissures. Oh, no. They were so severe that he insisted that a physician travel with him at all times. Did he have, like, Crohn's disease or something? Well, the Mayo Clinic defines anal fissures this way. A small tear in the thin, moist tissue that lines the anus. Anal fissures uh, typically... Uh, cause pain and bleeding from from bowel movement. Right. Now, I've asked this question before, and I don't know that I've ever received a, a good answer. So sometimes when you are having a bathroom moment, <laughs> um, things are more difficult than other times. Sure. And it's been said by some that uh, sometimes things will you the there's blood yeah you know right Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Mm. That's often caused by anal fissures. Okay. Which are caused in in some cases by extreme constipation and extremely large bowel movements. Fiber is important when that happens. Mm-hmm. So you've got you've got open yeah. you know mm-hmm. and then there's there's poop I mean cuz mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um so why <clears throat> Why is getting poop in your open wound not killing you? Like, what, like what, what are you asking for a friend? I'm just like, what? I'm curious. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. It must. Isn't be some... it bad to get poop in an open wound? I would think so. How do people who who struggle with that kind of thing? How do they not get ill? Get a huge infection? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe some medical experts that listen to the show, like medical experts listen to the show, <laughs> can inform us. Actually, that we we get a lot. Of messages from uh, people much smarter than much us. smarter than we are all the time we don't understand it but thank you thank you anyway leo's treatment for these colonic fissures became a political liability for him because <laughs> wait yeah okay go yeah. ahead in 1516 rival cardinals hatched a plot to assassinate leo by tampering with his ass bandages no yeah they put like poison in his butt bandages that's terrible and according to pbs i thought when you were saying that it became a problem politically like people would protest like outside his house with signs that say like we demand a leader with a solid butthole (laughs) say no to small cracks in the moist tissue around your butthole So the cardinals conspired to poison his bandages, uh, killing him essentially from the bottom up. The scheme was discovered. Leo continued to serve as pope until he died in 1521 of pneumonia. So that was a failed ass assassination attempt. Assassination. Assassination. (laughs) I'm sorry. Don't, Don't kill people. Moving along, Queen Mary I of England. How was her butt? Probably a little sore because uh, she was pregnant for 11 months. What? Well, at least that's what everybody thought. She had a phantom pregnancy. For an 11-month period of time, she was visibly pregnant, but never gave birth. Oh, my gosh. For nearly a year after she ascended to the throne in 1553, rumors spread that Mary was pregnant. Both Mary and her physicians agreed the queen was carrying a child. She even claimed that she could feel it kicking in her womb. But 11 months after her alleged pregnancy was announced, Mary left her birthing chamber without a child and moved to a secluded residence. There's no confirmed cause to the phantom pregnancy, but many uh, historians believe the queen was so desperate for a child that she convinced herself that she was carrying a baby. The human brain is 
incredible. It really is. And can change everything about who you are and what you look like. And it's just nuts because I've read quite a bit about false pregnancies Mm. and your brain can literally trick your body into, no, yeah, you're pregnant. That's, yeah, just just go ahead and have those hormones like if you were pregnant. I wish my brain could trick our bank account into thinking it was full of money. We could get some chairs. Queen Victoria, she carried the very first documented case of hemophilia. Oh, really? Yeah, it's thought that um, it had originated in a mutated gene from her father, Edward Augustus, Duke of Kent. Uh, Hemophilia is, as I'm sure that you know, a recessive disorder which causes excessive bleeding and is connected to the X chromosome. The disease spread throughout Victoria's bloodline. It infected her descendants and royal generations to come from not just her area, but across many countries because many of her children and grandchildren married into other noble families. Yeah, I had no idea that it was it came about so recently. Yeah. That's that's crazy. The first notable case of hemophilia is in fact Victoria's fourth son, Prince Leopold, Duke of Albany. As a child, Victoria placed many restrictions on Leopold's activities because she knew he, you know, he bled easily. Mm. And that seemed successful, at least until he was 31, when he fell down some stairs and died of a cerebral hemorrhage. That's an unfortunate end. I was in the hospital one time. You've been in the hospital a lot. Well, when I was a kid. I was weird. I was a sickly kid. But I was sharing a room in intensive care at Boston Children's Hospital with a young boy. I think I was like six or seven at the time, and he was about the same age. Um, And he was a hemophiliac. And I remember one night I had these weird dreams. I I referenced this briefly once before. I dreamed that this being stepped out of the solid wood door. Right. Your door troll. Yeah. Well, it wasn't like a troll. I don't know what it was, but, but the, the grain in the door looked like an outline of a person. Mm -hmm. And I dreamed that somebody stepped out of that door and stood in the room, and I, I wasn't scared or anything. I just went back to sleep, or so I dreamed I went back to sleep. Mm-hmm. I woke up in the morning, and the bed next to me was empty, and the boy had rolled over and hit his head in the night and had um, bled to death. It's a good story. It's yeah. really fun. The end. <clears throat> so, door troll. <laughs> hey, I didn't say this was an enlightening story. <laughs> It's just weird shit that happened to Jethro. <laughs> Any hoozle, we will um, we'll keep you posted on the virtual live show that we're going to do from our basement. We're in the process of looking for chairs. That'll be great. <laughs> and uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. 
we wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.